from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. Today, as we continue our Why God Why series, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And what's not to like about Jesus, right? He loved everyone. He showed compassion to hurting people. He humbled oppressive leaders, uh, shared powerful insights on how to live a better life. He served the needy, uh, gave grace to people caught in sin. He defended poor widows. He provided barrels of wine to thirsty partygoers and filet fish sandwiches to a big group of people who hadn't eaten and were getting pretty hangry. So what's not to like about Jesus? Well, there is the whole exclusive thing. We like inclusive. In is better than X. X means out and in means, well, in, and we'd all rather be in than out, right? Think about it. Would you rather be invited or exiled? Mm. Included or expelled? In is clearly better than X. So what's not to like about Jesus? It's the exclusive claims that are easy to get hung up on. Uh, Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way to be forgiven. Jesus is the exclusive way to heaven. Wait, who says Jesus is the only way? Well, Jesus did. He made that bold claim. Throughout the ages, people have made some bold I am claims. Uh, Muhammad Ali famously declared, I am the greatest. Uh, Eminem told the world, I am Slim Shady, the real Slim Shady. So if you happen to think you're Slim Shady, please know that you're just impersonating. Uh, Then there was that tree thing in Guardians of the Galaxy who would not stop proclaiming, I am Groot. And more recently, uh, Billie Eilish echoing Rene Descartes about 400 years earlier, saying, I think, therefore, I am. So, are you ready for the boldest I am statement ever? Uh, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way, not a way. I mean, a way is fine, but the way, like no one else could ever be another way or find another way, that is exclusive. And the truth and the life, what does that even mean? Is Jesus suggesting he is the only one standard of truth and the only one source of life? And if that wasn't enough, Jesus compounds the issue with the next sentence where he says, no one can come to the Father except through Him. I mean, come on. We've all heard it said that there are many paths to God, that that people of different faiths are all actually worshiping the same God and will all end up in the same place. That is infinitely inclusive and sounds incredibly inviting. But Jesus shutting out everyone from God unless they come only through Him, that seems exceedingly exclusive and extremely exacting. And 
Look what else he said. Uh, in John chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? What I found is that uh, the exclusive claims of Jesus are one of the primary objections people have to Jesus. I mean, they, they like the way he lived. They, they like the way he loved. They're just not crazy about what he claimed. And when I say people, that might include you. And if so, I get it. You struggle to understand how a loving God would provide only one way to him and heaven. When, when, when your friend says, all paths lead to God, it sounds compassionate. And you want to be compassionate. Aren't followers of Jesus supposed to be compassionate? So, so shouldn't we take the position that gives more hope to more people? Isn't it incomprehensible that we wouldn't be inclusive? And here's another N-word intelligent. It just seems reasonable to think that various faith-filled people around the world are at least right in some aspects of their faith, but it feels incredulous to claim that one relatively small group of believers has the corner on truth and everyone else is wrong. And if that is our claim, those of us who are Christians, and, and we counter ourselves amongst those who have it right. Isn't that arrogant? And should Jesus' followers be arrogant? Maybe that's why people aren't discouraged by the way Jesus lived or loved, but have doubts because of what he claimed. But those of us who are Christians, we, we do believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We are convinced that he is the only way to God and that people who believe in him will live even though they die. But, but there are a lot of buts, right? Like, I mean, like, yeah, I do believe that, but, but as long as you're sincere in your faith, you should be fine, right? But I mean, don't all paths lead to the same God, but isn't it arrogant? But if that is true, isn't God unfair? So let's take a good look at those buts, <laughs> which is not advice I usually give. Hey, let's look at some buts today. That's what we're going to do in church. But we are going to look at those buts today in church. Uh, let's see if we can find some answers that might help us overcome our doubts and give us a a more intellectually sound and integrated faith. Okay. First, but, but as long as you're sincere, people like to say that, but like what really matters is not what you believe, but the sincerity of your faith. You, you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as your faith is sincere. What's ironic is people say that about, the most important belief in life, what you put your faith in for your salvation and eternal destiny, but they would never, never say that about anything else. If they made that claim about anything else, they would feel 
dumb. Like, let's say your friend shares with you, hey, um, I've been saving money for years and I've got a good amount in the bank and a lot in retirement. And I had this cashier at the dollar store tell me about a stock. And I asked my, 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 my uncle, who's a stockbroker, he told me it's a horrible investment. But, but well, man, I just believe sincerely, if, if I put all of my money into it, I'm gonna be rich. You would look at your friend, you would look at your friend here and you'd say, you're gonna do what? You're gonna put everything in it? Yeah, I, I just think, I just think I should. Well, you know what? As long as you're sincere, as long as your faith in that stock is sincere, it will be a great investment for you. No, you'd never say that. Or let's say you have a friend, you're talking, your friend confides in you, hey, I need to have this um, kind of major surgery. And um, the other day, my Uber driver said that he could do it for me. I asked him, he said he's not a doctor, has never done any kind of surgery, but I, I just believe he can do it. You would smile at your friend and say, well, sure, as long as you sincerely believe he can, then he, no, right? What matters is not the sincerity of your faith. It's never, never the sincerity of your faith that matters. What matters is the trustworthiness of what you put your faith in. Think of it this way. Uh, let's say that you and a friend are standing at the edge of a frozen pond. You are confident that the ice is frozen solidly enough to hold you if you were to walk out on it. Your friend isn't so sure. Uh, another friend shows up, hears the dilemma and says, hey, guys, guys, what matters is the sincerity of your faith. If you really believe the ice is strong enough, it will hold you. And if you don't believe sincerely that it will hold you, it won't. That, that friend is wrong, right? That friend is ridiculously wrong. If the ice is thick enough, it will hold you up with your fully assured faith and it will hold up your friend with his very uncertain faith. If the ice is not thick enough, well, your doubting friend is gonna fall right through it and into the icy water and so will you, even with your sincere faith. See, the issue is not whether your faith is sincere, it's whether or not the object of your faith is worthy of your faith. We all put our faith in something. I would encourage you to put it in something strong enough to hold you up. Second but but don't all paths lead to the same God? You've heard this one, right? All paths lead to the same God. They're all equally valid. They're all basically teaching the same thing. It is a nice sentiment. And the, the person who says it, they just want everyone to get along. That's a good thing. And I have found that most of the world's religions do have some good and uh, beauty in them. But they are not basically teaching the same thing. What this person is saying when they say it, maybe that person's been you, it's not true. It can't be true. All, listen, all religions are equally protected and should be, but that does not mean that they are all equally valid. Honestly, claiming that makes no sense. It's impossible and it just reveals that the person who says it has not ever done any serious studying. And Yes, there may be a few similarities, but at their core, 
They are dramatically different. And if we're all worshiping the same God, if we're all just taking different paths to the same God, that God is a liar or schizophrenic, not worthy of our faith or worship. I'll show you with just a few examples. There's lots more. Uh, so, for instance, uh, Christianity teaches that there is only one God, and he is a personal God. Buddhism teaches that there is no God. Hinduism teaches that there are hundreds of gods. Huh. Uh, Islam says God told Muhammad that every believer must make a pilgrimage to Mecca to worship. Christianity says that Jesus told us it doesn't matter where we worship. Uh, Christianity has God teaching us it's okay to eat meat. Hinduism teaches that eating meat is immoral. Uh, Buddhism claims that after you die, you get reincarnated and live another life here on earth. Christianity claims you live only one life, but that God has invited you to continue living with him forever in heaven. Uh, New Age says there is no personal God and that instead everything in existence is connected as part of a single whole. And our goal should be to attain a higher consciousness. Christianity says there is a personal goal who loves us and sent his son to sacrifice him for, so for us. And that our goal should be to know, love, worship, and glorify God. <laughs> you can see that all of these religions are not basically saying the same thing. There's no way they can all be right. And how would the same God, how could the same God teach all of these contradicting ideas? All religions are not basically the same. Equally protected? Yes. Equally valid? No. There are major differences between them. They do not all lead to the same God. The same God would not be telling people such contradictory things. And so, even if we don't like it, the, the truth is that there are a lot of people whose faith is in the wrong thing. Third, but. But isn't it arrogant? That, that second I said, that sentence I said just a second ago, the truth is that there are a lot of people whose faith is in the wrong thing. That could sound uh, smug, right? And, and that's an issue people have with Christians who claim their way is the only way. And it might make you uncomfortable. I mean, isn't it arrogant and unloving to think you're right and everyone else is wrong? No. No. It's not arrogant or intolerant to say something is true, even that it's exclusively true. Right? Like saying two plus two equals four and it doesn't equal anything else. It's not arrogant or intolerant. It's just true, right? It just is. And saying, I believe Jesus is the only way to God is not arrogant or intolerant. It's just true, and it is. Now, now you can believe or say something is true and be arrogant about it, right? You can have an arrogant attitude about what you believe, and that is wrong. It is wrong to be arrogant. 
but it's not arrogant or intolerant to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's not. Um, th think of it this way. Let, let's, um, let's pretend you found a cure for cancer. It would not be arrogant or intolerant to tell everyone that you found the only cure for cancer. In fact, it would be loving to let everyone know that you found the cure, right? In the same way, love should be the only motivation for Christians sharing with others their belief that Jesus is the only way to God in heaven. What's interesting uh, is, you may not know this, is that basically every religion claims to be the only way. Christianity has not cornered the market on thinking that it's cornered the market. Every religion pretty much claims it's the one exclusive true one. So if they all say they're the one right way, what do you do? Do you just, do you just go with the one your parents taught you or with the one that the most people in your culture believe? No. But because you recognize that this is perhaps life's greatest and most important question, you take it seriously, e eternally seriously. You ask the hard questions. And, and I think that's what we've been doing in this series, right? You look at the evidence because there is evidence. There's lots of evidence. In fact, that's another significant difference between Christianity and all the other world religions. If you study them, uh, you'll realize that other religions are based on a philosophy taught by a person, ideas taught by a person. So, so there, there's really no way of investigating whether it's right or wrong. Like, like, should you believe what Muhammad said? Or should you believe what Buddha said? I mean, if, if you want, you can, but it's not possible really to prove that their teachings are true because it's just their ideas. Like if I just started, I can make up my own religion, my own ideas, and, and eh, you can choose to believe them if you're not, you can't prove them, right? Christianity is different. Christianity is unique in that it's based not just on ideas, a philosophy, it's based on historical events. And you can go back and find out if those events really happened. Christianity begs to be investigated like uh, the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus told people that he would die, and then on the third day, raised from the dead. And then Jesus died, and three days later, he walked out of the grave alive. That is what a Christian's faith is based on. In fact, uh, Paul writes that this is the gospel by which you are saved. What is that gospel? He continues in 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. So the, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, includes the resurrection, and its truth is based on the reality of the resurrection. Um, Paul continues with this on um, the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, well, our, our preaching is youthless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. 
then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul is explaining that we don't believe just because we've chosen to put our faith in the teaching and philosophy of Jesus. No, we believe because Jesus proved he was actually who he claimed to be by defeating death. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we should be made fun of for believing in him. Like people who still believe uh, Millie Vanilli sang their own songs or that the Cleveland Browns will ever win a Super Bowl. But if he did rise from the dead, then he has proven himself trustworthy and we should put our faith in him. The cool thing is that you can prove Jesus rose from the dead. And all kinds of incredibly intelligent people have tried to disprove the resurrection only to come to the conclusion that Jesus really did walk out of the grave alive just as he promised and that he really is the only way to God. God provided one way, and that way is Jesus. Christians believe that not because of arrogance, but because of evidence. And that leads right into the fourth but that we need to look at. But isn't God unfair? At this point, you may be struggling with that question. If, 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 if this is true, isn't God unfair in providing only one way? And, and I understand that. But I believe it's the wrong question. Track with me on this, okay? Assuming this is all true. Uh, that God is love, uh, created people so he could love and be in relationship with them. Every single person said no to God and rebelled against him by choosing selfishness and sin instead of love and godliness. In response, God sent his son from heaven, not to condemn people as they deserve, but to save them. People then took the Son of God and rejected him, mocked him, tortured him, and murdered him. And what God does then, instead of just killing off all these people as they deserve, is to accept the murder of his own son as the punishment for the sins of the people who were responsible for his death. If that is what God has done, and that is what God has done, could you look him in the eye and say, God, that's not fair. You haven't done enough. I don't think so. In, in fact, I think the right question is not, why is there only one way? But why did God provide anyway? And that's the question I have trouble answering. But, but, but I know that the answer is wrapped up in God's unfathomable love. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us because it was the only way. The only way for us to be saved was through Jesus going to the cross to take our sin and experience death for us. And God 
loves you so much, he was willing to have his son die to do that. Jesus is so passionate about you. He would rather die than live without you. And so he did. And, uh, and that highlights maybe the biggest difference between the religions. I, I said, here are some of them before. Here's maybe the biggest. It's what could be called the do versus done distinction. Uh, people who have carefully studied all the world's religions point out that, that every religion but one could essentially be spelled D-O because they're all based on people doing something to somehow earn the good favor of God. It, it might be you know, that, that you have to go on a pilgrimage or uh, you have to give alms to the poor or carefully maintain a certain diet or perform good deeds or chant the right words or or use a Tibetan prayer wheel, or, or go through a series of reincarnations, working your way up. If, if you live a good life, you strive to reach up to God and, and earn his favor. It's about what you do for him. By contrast, Christianity is the one religion spelled D-O-N-E. It's based not on what we do but on what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. The teaching in the Bible is that we've all rebelled against God, but God loves us anyway. So Jesus came down from heaven and died on the cross as our substitute to offer us forgiveness of sins, relationship with God, and eternal life in heaven. Christianity is all about God reaching down to us and offering us his unearned favor. It's all about what he's done for us. This is grace, and grace is unique to Christianity. And that grace changed my life. In fact, uh, if someone still insists that that God is not fair. Uh, maybe there is one sense in which I'd have to um, agree. Why? Because I have done so many things wrong. I have lied, lusted, cheated, gossiped, hated, cussed, envied, boasted, uh, judged, been selfish, arrogant, gotten drunk, hurt people. Based on my actions, what do I deserve? I deserve spiritual death. And so if you say God's not fair, you may be right, because if he were fair, I would have gotten what my sins deserved. But Jesus paid the price so I could be forgiven and healed and set free. Why did he do this for me? Why would he do it for you? Because he is love. It's that simple. Love is not just what he feels for you. Love is not just what he does for you. Love is who he is. And deep down, and isn't that what you want? Unconditional, passionate love. Isn't it possible the reason you've craved love your entire life is because God made you for love? 
He made you in love and for his love. And he gave us a way, even just one way, to experience that love, to have that love. And so I say, we take it. And let, let's pray that we take that one way, trust it in it every day, and live our lives in his love. So, so let's do this. First, I'll pray. And then we're going to give you a couple minutes to pray on your own. Just to thank God, to think about what you've heard today, how it applies to your life, um, how grateful you need to be, maybe how you need to respond. Uh, during this time, if you're in the room in Las Vegas, which I'm not, um, there is communion available if you'd like to take it. Communion is a piece of bread and a cup of juice that represent Jesus' body and blood given for us on the cross. and We remember his sacrifice through it. You can take it by going back to the tables, getting it, bring it back to your seat. You open it, you'll see there's two little flaps, one for the bread, one for the juice. Um, if you're watching online, uh, one option for you is, um, you, you always have the option of, you could take some bread and juice or whatever and um, have it ready when you watch Verb online and make that a part of your worship experience. Or you can just use this time to pray. All right, so let me pray and uh, we'll move into that time for you. God, what a great God you are. Um, your, your love is beyond my imagination. Thank you um, that you made a way. God, help us to be so grateful that you made a way because it is a way that we don't deserve. May we live our life in grateful thankfulness for your love and for the way you made for Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. We pray all these things. In his name, God. Amen.